Okay. All right. <laughs> we figured it out. We figured it out, folks. Uh, we are back. This, I guess, this is the second episode of recording. Who knows how they're going to come yeah, out? Yeah, this is the. Uh, this is. I also think it's going to be our most feverish episode. <laughs> not, dude, I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully, hopefully, we get this out of our system. Uh, we are both fairly exhausted, boys. Yeah, I just got off a sixteen-hour shoot. We're, you know, in uh, Pasadena, so. I'm gonna I'm gonna be a little peppy today. <laughs> be a little peppy. I just worked uh, five days on a short film, three of which were overnights. Hell yeah! Uh, and I'm also looking for an apartment, which in the city of Los Angeles is a very stressful thing to do. It's almost more exhausting than the overnights. It is almost. It doesn't help that like the, I feel like my immune system is shutting down and telling me to take a rest. But it's sure. Just, you know, and you can't listen to your immune system. No, you definitely cannot listen to that guy. Like even though things have been crazy. It's going to be fine. It'll be good. <laughs> it's been about, what, a week and a half? Roughly, yeah, yeah. since we recorded last. Anything of note besides the uh, besides the, the shoot? Anything fun besides the apartment of the shoot? Um, what, what, uh, oh, I saw The Farewell, I think, in between. Okay. I went to see that. Really loved The Farewell. It's good. Um, wasn't the movie I was expecting was really refreshed by Sure. That. What uh, were you expecting? I think something a little, like... It was based off of a, like a, or Lulu Wong originally did like a This American Life yeah. thing, I think. And you you watch those movies on like, like kind of Sleepwalk With Me or something like that come sure. through. Sure. Sort of like autobiographical. Sure. Ones. And I like Sleepwalk With Me a lot. I like those kinds of stuff a lot. But this felt much more, uh, I really liked that it wore its kind of influences to Asian cinema on its sleeve. Sure. A lot of Ozu stuff. And that's just like a much more like... You're just watching time passing, and you're just kind of spending time with these characters. Nine Eye is adorable, and you, I just fell in love with Nine Eye, and I thought about my grandma, and then just the uh, kind of I think maybe my favorite ending of the year. Oh, okay, that's that's high praise. The or at least like when I think about that, and like the ending to High Life, I think were too. Sure, High Life is crazy. High Life is fucking nuts, dude. Um, there was that. I'm trying to think of what else I, I watched. Gonna be good. Speaking of Ozu, I actually saw my first Ozu. Yeah. <gasps> oh, I saw I love Ozu. I saw Tokyo Story at the Yes Era, At the Arrow Ooh. on 35. Oh, buddy, how was that? It you know what? Here's here, here's the here's the hard tea. Ready? Here's the hard tea. Here's the hard tea. Here's the Mike's hard tea. Yeah. So <laughs> sometimes you hear about older movies uh-huh. and people love the shit out of them. I, for whatever reason. Yeah. And I watch them and I go, I respect that and I don't enjoy them at all. Right. An example of that would be M. Have you seen M? I've not seen M because I think I'm scared of the exact same thing that you're describing. So I think that movie is like, it's admirable without a doubt. Subject matter wise. And then purely on a technical level. Right. I mean, sound had really only been around in movies for about three, four years. Before then, true, yeah, and they're oh, doing, yeah, 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 and they're doing some interesting stuff sound wise. But I, I watched that movie, and I don't really care about it, but <laughs> okay. it's impressive. But I went into Tokyo Story, and I legitimately loved watching it. I fell deep for that movie the first time I saw it. Like it's I think awesome. I saw it. It is awesome. Uh, what was its reputation beforehand to you? To me, it was okay. So I, when I was in high school, actually. I read like some one of those like shitty like what culture articles. Yeah, like a, like yeah, I know exactly the ones you're talking about because I read a lot a ton of those too. <laughs> and it was and it was like it was like twenty five like things to check off your cinephile bucket list. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, just yeah, yeah. So <laughs> shitty. And so I remember like one of them being like, "Don't call yourself a cinephile if you haven't seen Citizen Kane 
And then they use the French title of Rules of the Game. Oh, which is okay. like which is just obnoxious. That's it is really obnoxious. obnoxious to say that because Rules of the Game is such a good title. It is, and they used the French title, and I was like, I don't even know. I don't even know what the fuck that is. Yeah. And the other one they said was Tokyo Story, mm-hmm. and I had never heard of it. Right. I was probably a junior or senior in high school. Right. Never heard of it before. So I asked my friend, who was like really into like movie history. I was like, I think you mentioned this guy in the last episode. This is a different guy. A different, guy. A different, different guy. guy. Different guy. Different guy. Oh, yeah. great. I haven't talked to this guy in a while. I don't even know what this guy's up to. But I said to him, I said. Uh, do you know what this is? And he was like, oh yeah. I was like, oh, zoo. <laughs> uh, but he was like, he was like, yeah, this is like the three that like you always hear about. Like you got to watch like these three. And I don't know why those are the three. Right. My theory on it is, is that Citizen Kane is considered to be by many the greatest American film ever made. True. Yes. 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 Uh, I guess the rules of the game is considered to be one of the greatest French films ever made. And then I guess... Maybe Tokyo Story is considered to be one of, if not the greatest Japanese film of all time. Yeah. And so I don't know why they listed those three together, but I had seen those three listed together in other places. Yeah, those three do get listed together a ton. And I'm and like, you know, if anyone out there knows why, write to us. Yeah, <laughs> interesting. No, no, this is me. That's a truly interesting phenomenon. Like, I, I'm very curious about that as well. So I went in. Uh, I think my friend, this is the friend I was telling you wants to be on the podcast. We mm-hmm. went to go see the movie together. Uh, he, I think the only, he had, he took a Japanese cinema class in college. Yeah. And I think that he said he watched one of his like really early movies. Now nothing that's considered canon for right. him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so we went in there. It's one o'clock in the afternoon on a Tuesday. We bring the average age down in that room by about <laughs> 50 years. And we're sitting there. It's, you know, about two hours and 15 minutes. And I'm just hooked the whole time. Yeah. Like, it's one of those, like, you know, some, I, sometimes for me, I feel like when I'm watching an older movie, it's really easy for me to go, wow, this does not hold up. And right. even people that say they love it, they got to admit that something in here is not working as well as it used to when it was older. Right, right. And I didn't feel that way about Tokyo Story. I think that it is truly a timeless film. The thing about, like, that, which, uh, Tokyo Story, which is so beautiful to me, is this just how much it just puts people in with the details of their lives. Without a doubt. You know, because it, it, it's great to watch it and be like, this is a story set in 1950, if it was set in contemporaneous when it was shot, or if it was a period piece, I'm not 100% sure. But you get a sense of this, like this, the fluidity of life or something, that is like kind of the peak of cinema in a way. I think that's like kind of sure. close to where, like, like with Stalker, I think is a similar thing. Sure. Um, I think that, you know, I don't have a lot of, Context with Tarkovsky as much as you might, but I would I think that like Tarkovsky and Tokyo Story are these kind of like canonical like sort of foreign if you want to call them that sure. or world cinema titles, um, partly because it's just like so cool to watch like professionals at work. Sure, absolutely. I think the I think it's interesting you bring up Stalker because that was the last movie I saw with this friend. Oh right, <laughs> and so I saw that with him. He liked it a lot more off the bat than I did. Yeah. And I was thinking to myself, like, oh, the last movie we saw together was Stalker, blah, blah, blah. Stalker has a very hypnotic effect. Yeah. Whereas I didn't feel this that same effect with Tokyo Story. It's a it's shot extremely differently. Yeah. There's, like, two moving shots in the entire movie. Yeah. It's, it, and it's yeah. just one of those that, like, it wasn't the same thing. But when it was over, it was one of those where I walked out and I was like, holy crap, it's still light outside. Like, I had yeah. to readjust. I was, I was in it. I wasn't hypnotized. But I was focused, and I wanted to be with these people. Yeah, and it, it takes its time, it but like it doesn't ever feel human. Slow. Movie, I would, I would think that like, 
Because now I am thinking about the triptych of Rules of the Game and Citizen Kane and Tokyo Story. And I don't have, for whatever reason, Rules of the Game is just a really tough nut for me to crack. Okay. I've tried to get into it a couple times. I just, this, I don't think the context has been right for me to fully, sure. like, get into being engaged with that. Never had that problem with Citizen Kane or, or, or Tokyo Story. The thing about Tokyo Story that I can speak to versus Citizen Kane, at least, is Citizen Kane is just, like, kind of mammoth piece of filmmaking made by, like, he's like a 24-year-old or something. Like, it's, it's a wonderkid. It's a wonderkid. Whereas Tokyo Story comes, like, on the tail end of Ozu's career. Yeah. And it is kind of, that's the per. that was my window into Ozu, and then from that I was just like, I need to, to go see, like, Late Spring and Floating yeah. Weeds and, like, uh, the deepest I've gone is like, uh, it, like I watched this one called like There Was a Father or something, and you can. Kind that's of like see, his, was that his early, that's early. It's a right? very early one because he was been because he'd been making films like in Japan for for fucking decades at that point, like into the silent era. There's a ton that they don't have uh, that have just like kind of disappeared. Sure, and it, they're like. The thing with Tokyo Story for me is that you are watching this person in complete control and complete knowledge and understanding Without of the a craft. Because uh, he's been using, like, roughly the same group of filmmakers, like, same group of collaborators. Like, he wrote the screenplay with Kogo Noda. Uh, I forget the name of his cinematographer, but yeah. it's the guy that was by his side, and that's, like... Shot everything. That, I know. The thing I would encourage people, if they haven't, to already, based off of the conversations we had this week right now, and with uh, Stalker to read uh, Paul Schrader's uh, The Transcendental Style in Film. Sure. Um, that was another thing that pointed me to Ozu, because I think I had, I was either, it was before I saw First Reformed, or right after, uh, I was like, I have to read the Paul Schrader book, The Transcendental Style in Cinema, and, uh, you know, everything's always batting around here. I don't have, like, a, a direct draw, but the impression that I got from that book and him writing about Ozu, the thing that pushed me over, is that kind of hypnotic. And he cites Tarkovsky, too. It's like, it's just filmmaking where you're just kind of in it. Yep. And you just forget that you have, like, a body or just, like, a soul or something. You're just kind of floating around. Yeah. So you're on not... a magical mystery tour. <laughs> <laughs> so, believe it or not, we're actually not talking about Tokyo so Story this week. we're not talking week. about Tokyo Story this week. That probably would be, uh, man, that would have been actually a great one. But we don't just cover the canon classics. On this show, <laughs> clearly by today's episode, we talk. We, we want to. I, I, a goal of mine with this show, at least in the movie section, is in the movie sort of episodes or centered episodes that we have, is to kind of get a more holistic idea of what this cinema thing is. Sure. Just the the whole just to, just to kind of understand like the kind of urge that I and other people have to go watch spend two hours basically of their lives watching pictures move or like watching an LCD screen read however an LCD screen you moves like what's that urge and before we get into what our movie is today uh we're supposed to talk about an album today. we're also supposed to talk about an album today but I was very busy <laughs> didn't listen to the album so we're gonna talk about that next time next time definitely uh I'm gonna tease it now if you wanna you're not gonna hear this before we record the next one but uh Randy Newman's Good Old Boys is I mean, the album yeah. in question uh I have a lot of thoughts on it I think it's extremely relevant for today. Okay. Um, I won't say any more because my, co- my my friend and my co-host Mason hasn't heard it yet. <laughs> but uh, give it a listen and uh, join us for that discussion. Next join week. it. Yeah, yeah, we're teasing it now. But uh, you want to tell everyone what we're actually going to talk about today? So this week we're gonna. T- this week we're talking about uh, the two thousand nine horror teen horror comedy. Uh, 
movie film. I was gonna say classic, but I don't want to really Thank stand that on that right yet. <laughs> yeah, let's let's uh, let's let's be the judge. I want to get in this. I want to I, I, I kind of want to stand up for this this movie a little bit. But we really gonna uh, the movie to this week is Jennifer's Body. That is <laughs> we got it out. We got the name of the t- we got the title of the episode. Small out. golf clap for that. I guess <laughs> I had seen this movie before. I had seen this movie as the dub on um, a double bill at the New Beverly with uh, Catherine Bigelow's Near Dark. They were doing a female filmmaker month. I'd actually read the script in college. Okay. My class, I took a class that uh, called script analysis. You would get a script, and you would like kind of uh, uh, you know at- approach it from the different angles, you know, to kind of just like learn how a director would see it, how a director directs a scene, how like sound designer, how you work with the cinematographer, blah blah blah. Um, and the school had a relationship with Karen Kusama, the director of Jennifer's Body. So it was like we. Like read the script for Girl Fight, which was a movie that she had. That was her debut, right? That was her debut. It was yeah, it was her debut. She like made it for like she was uh, I want to say John Schleisinger's assistant, some John S. <laughs> filmmaker, John S. Filmmaking. Yeah, John S. Um, and she he put up the money for for Girl Fight. She uh, and it was like kind of the breakout. It was like a breakout at like Sundance or a film festival or something. It like put Michelle Rodriguez on the map also. Um, the next feature film she did was, uh, the Charlize Theron film, Aeon Flux. Which <laughs> Moving is, on up, which baby. Is, uh, which is, uh, which is, which is, you know, that, it, it's, it, it, we, and reading, like, okay, but reading also the different versions, seeing that kind of development process, um, was interesting as well, because it's like, this is a thing that I think she was probably, like, brought, like, work for hire or something, basically, sure. brought on, didn't have a ton of say in it, uh, in the final Ver- what that came out with. I remember watching, like, her cuts of the scenes. And I think she was also kind of maybe put in an unwinnable position because that was the first Charlize movie. Oh, it came out right at that, like, right I don't before, know. Like, right around Monster, right? Yeah, like, yeah. right around. I think she was kind of... That's kind of... An, that was, movie was always made, like, a little bit... It was put in an impossible position. Jennifer's Body. I remember reading the script, really liking the script, um... And then just having no other desire to, like, sit down and actually watch it until it was part of this double bill. And by that point, my kind of experience with it, when it, like, popped up in my life, uh, to my great shame, I have a Tumblr account. I'm not sharing. It is purely a space for me. Yeah. But a lot of the, like, film-ish blogs that I follow would, like, post about this. It, like, kind of boosts its profile a bit. So I'm like, okay, I'll go check this out. And I was really surprised with how much I liked it when I saw it in the theater. Karan Kusama later went on to direct the movie The Invitation. Have you seen The Invitation? I haven't. Oh, really good, uh, hor- like, really just really small horror movie. Sure. Uh, from, like, 2015. Then she also directed uh, Destroyer, the, Jennifer- the Nicole Kidman. Yeah, but uh, she got a lot of buzz for that Nicole Kidman movie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, gr- I saw it. I really liked it. Uh, I think Nicole Kidman is, uh, it's an interesting Nicole performance. Sure. Um... So actually, I had seen those two before I had seen Jennifer's Body. Um, and watching the theatrical cut again at home was a very different experience. Sure. And you had seen... So I, after watching the movie, I bought the Blu-ray, because the Blu-ray also had is, has an extended like director's cut. Yeah. And I had really... Maybe seeing it in the theater and just like being in that kind of like in the new bev like kind of atmosphere, you know, like yeah. really made it a much more coherent movie than I think it actually is. Sure. Um, and I think that uh, oh, I think my roommate's coming home. Uh oh, he's gonna join us. On he's the gonna podcast. join us on the conversation. Um, but I don't want to just talk about my experience with the movie anymore. 
I subjected you to this. Yeah. <laughs> and I understand from your letterbox review, it was not the thing I sold it on. Well, so um, here's what I'll tell you. Uh, this movie came out in 2009. Yes. I was 12 years old yes. when that movie came I, out. I remember seeing the trailer and thinking, that looks like shit. Yeah, the trailer is atrocious. Atrocious. That, and that was the thing, that was one of my first impressions immediately after getting out of it, after seeing the new bed was like, that trailer did not sell the movie that I watched at all. Not at all. Not at all. It is actually a very different film than it is marketed. Yes. And I remember thinking, okay, we're on a Megan Fox hype train. She had just got off the tails of Transformers. Yeah. She was basically the biggest female teen star in the world for a very brief period of time. She was certainly, yeah, she was certainly like the hottest, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I remember how big Megan Fox was in 2009, and it seemed so huge, because it seemed like she was in fucking everything. It does, and at the same time, it was kind, in my mind, I was 12, and I was like, what, 10 when Transformers came out. Yeah. I was like, holy shit, she is so beautiful. Yeah. She's so beautiful, but I don't remember seeing her in anything else. Yeah. I, it was like just Transformers, and I feel like that doesn't even happen anymore, where someone gets plopped in one thing. They have, like, a meteoric rise to, like, international stardom. Exactly, yeah. And then they just, she just fell off. That doesn't happen anymore. No, you're absolutely right. It just, like, I do think that we kind of did Megan Fox a little dirty in the culture. Do you think so? A, a little bit. I think that she, like, her biggest, like, I don't think that it's any fault of hers that Michael Bay turned her completely into an object. And sure. used her as an object, and that was kind of people's first. Real like, taste of her. Taste of her. Cause, uh, oh, because I also remember her in, like, I, like, I think the first time that I had ever seen Megan Fox in anything was in, like, Confessions of a Teenage Drama Queen, the Lindsay oh, Lohan movie. Wow. She plays, like, the kind of, she plays, like, a, the mean girl in Okay. That. Not super mean, but, like, the mean girl in the movie. Yeah. Uh, and, like, my memory of that performance is that it was, like, pretty good. Sure. And I think that there's, when the, uh, when she is allowed to, uh... Play a character. Play a character in the movie, um, she's good. Okay. I think that that element of it and her performance is way better and is served better by the director's cut i think that the theatrical cut i will say versus the director's cut that i watched theatrical cut feels much more targeted to 2009 male audience sure you know yeah um when it's really this like story about these teenage girls best friend yeah they're about their friendship sure their, their friendship breaking apart basically and there's a there's it's it's Really frustrating for me to watch the theatrical cut and kind of talk about it after watching the director's cut because the director's cut is so much more streamlined. The the horrors like it's much the tones are much better integrated. Okay. Um, what was your impression of like because horror comedy is such a mishandled genre? How did you think it was handled? Here? I actually thought that uh, the movie was going to go down the road of this is the effects of sexual assault yeah that is what i thought the movies like this is what we are going down yeah like this is the road that we're traveling down and it you know maybe it's because we're in 2019 now and that's so much exactly more that's another thing, thing that would have been like that would have changed i think in the 2009 version versus the 2019 version uh um, the emphasis on like you you know for yeah. those of you who haven't seen the movie basically what happens is they go to this rock show yeah uh, at this like shitty little bar this dive bar and the lead singer of the band. Like, who's, who's Adam Brody plays this tremendous douchebag. And, like, and I think... Perfectly cast. I think that there's just such... I think that there's just... 
I think that the performances in both versions really shine, especially Adam Brody. Sure. Because he's so fucking, like, this dude is such a fucking douchebag. It's, I get a lot of, uh, I don't know, I like watching a douchebag on, on like, sure. perfectly realized on screen, and this guy just fucking sucks. He's unapologetically <laughs> douchey. Yeah. And, but, so, like, they bring her out into the woods. Yeah. And Needy's like, I don't know what happened, you know, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And then the next time you see her... She's like a demon. She's a demon. She's a succubus to be. Yeah, she is. Yeah. She's actually a succubus, like straight up. And so I thought, oh, you know, clearly something happened. And, you know, you find out more throughout the movie. But I'm like, this is going to be about, you know, on its deepest level, the effects of sexual assault and what can yeah. happen to a person yeah. and how, you know, that affects them. Yeah, and I wish that it was a little. And it's not really like that. I it's... actually thought this was going to be more of a get out type film. In yeah. terms of tone, I thought it was going to be like almost like a social thriller in yeah. that sense. Yeah. But it's pretty brutal. Yeah. Like it's pretty gnarly. It's pretty bloody. There's a lot of gore, I guess. Yeah. I guess. And I was just kind of surprised about that. Again, this movie was not on my brain at all until you said, hey, we're going to do this for the podcast. Right. And so I don't remember what it was like in 2009, except for the fact that I remember. This movie came out, it had Megan Fox in it, and it looked like garbage. Exactly. And so I thought, I personally believe it's not very funny. <laughs> I think watching this, I went, I can't believe 2009 was only 10 years ago. Yeah, right. And because there is so much, so many jokes, quote yeah, unquote, right. that just, you wouldn't even pitch those I jokes. I agree. This is so much of a 2009 movie, and it is so there's much. Fall Out Boy posters on the wall. The soundtrack, the man. soundtrack. I think the soundtrack, like it kind of fucks, kind of rules. Yeah, it kind of <laughs> I mean, does. Like, it kind of it does in a really like burning nostalgia way. In a re- in a way that was like, I, I, like it just brought me back to like Motion City soundtrack or something. There's literally like, <laughs> what's the what's the boyfriend's what's Needy's boyfriend? Chip. Chip, he literally has the Motion City, City soundtrack poster in the wall. Yeah, yeah. And, and and like around that time, I had like Chip's haircut sure. too. So you're like, that's me. Yeah. yeah. So it is like it, I kind of appreciate it. I think also like as like this time capsule. It definitely is that. Yeah. It in a lot of ways, which is a good thing to show us how far we've come in certain things. I in think certain like ways, yeah. I think that the if this was if Jennifer's body was made in 2019, the the needy and the Jennifer characters would be kind of ironed out a little bit. Absolutely. I think that would be the major thing. I think, um, I also don't think it would be quite as brutal. Um, no, I don't think it would be either. <laughs> the director's cut is not as brutal, and its focus is way more on just needy. Like, there's sure. way more shots of, like, uh, Amanda Seyfried is in a because way Because we're just with her more? Like, we just yeah, feel more from her perspective. I feel more from her, pers- her perspective, and... It didn't, like, another thing that I noticed, and, like, thinking back, and the theatrical cut, I noticed the second time how much more Megan Fox is in it than I remember. Oh, yeah. Versus in the extended cut, they're in it a fair amount, and I think it kind of, her it, her performance is to a detriment because she's in it more. Absolutely. And, and I think they choose, chose, however the edit was made for the theatrical cut, because when something's made by a studio like 20th Century Fox, right. especially in 2009... Uh, and there's just a ton of cooks in the kitchen. Even if it is How, Searchlight. Exactly. Yeah. And there's, or it was like Fox Atomic or something. Or Fox Searchlight. Exactly. Oh, yeah, yes, it was. Um, How something like that was so, and like they got to submit it to cuts for the MPAA. Right. All this thing. How an individual cut is, is happened, it's kind of hard to tell. It is. Or like versus with a director's cut, it's just the director and the editor working together. And you know that like 
they did that. Yeah, exactly. As opposed to, well, who did that? So you know? There's, yeah, there's, so, like, in the theatrical cut, when um, I feel like there's, they chose the way, they tried to make Jennifer come off as, like, way bitchier. Totally. Um, and... It's to the detriment of the to, film. And to the detriment of, like, the thing that's central to the movie, which is their relationship and their friendship. And I... Because in the theatrical yeah. cut, I was just kind of like, I don't understand why Needy's friends with her. I, you know, dude, that was the biggest thing for me, is, like, I would never buy these two as friends. Yeah. Like, to me, that even, you know, you do get that, like, little flashback scene when they're actually in the sandbox when they're little kids. Yeah, and that comes back a little bit later, yeah. you know, yeah. But at the same time, I'm looking at, and again... I actually don't like Amanda Seyfried very much, mm-hmm. but in this, oh, okay. I actually was fine with her. Yeah. Because she's kind of the driving force. This and First Reformed, I think, are her best performances. I, think, I, also, I also, again, I think it's just a thing that she's, her profile was so big, I don't think that any like movie kind of served how good of a performance she could give. Sure. Until she worked with somebody like Paul Schrader. Schrader. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and she's just so good in first reform dude, too. She, I mean, I mean just, first reform fucking rules. It's, like, <laughs> I mean, it's crazy. Like, I'd say what you will about Tom Cruise. Like, whatever yeah. your opinion about Tom Cruise is, but it's kind of hard to say he's not amazing in Magnolia. Yeah, you know, and he's working with Paul Thomas Anderson. Yeah, it's kind of hard to say that he's not like amazing in the Mission Impossible films, even though those aren't as good performances. Right. You know, he's working with like John Woo and Brian De Palma. Yeah. And Christopher McQuarrie. Yeah. And, you know, he's working with just great directors yeah so when you have a great director like paul schrader and you have people like amanda seyfried you will get a better performance yeah because she's Versus capable you're getting somebody to come in just like kind of work for hire to sort of to come in and tell like the actors where to stand and say action and cut away it, yeah. like, there is a sort of skill set to being that guy but it is a much different set different set and it's the goals are different from a paul schrader who is trying to like make like a work of art or something yeah. um Excuse me. I think also, again, I, this is probably, I, I would want to do more research. I want to listen. Actually, there's a director's commentary on this that I oh, wanted wow. to give and listen to that I didn't get a chance to. Um, but I would like to hear Karen Kusama talk about making this movie because I understand that it's like her third, it's basically her third movie and she's a female director working in Hollywood right. in 2009. I could imagine that not a lot of people were going to trust that she knew what she was doing. Sure. And you watch the director's cut, and you know I kind of want to hog off my Blu-ray to you so you can watch it <laughs> if you if you're so inclined. We will see. We'll see. Um, but I think that regardless of if you like that movie or not, it's much clearer what the it's much clearer in the extended cut what the movie is actually about, which is their friendship. The theatrical version was made for guys like us. Absolutely. And we got nothing out of it, it sounds like. <laughs> or, like, I, I, I shouldn't say got nothing out of it. I still thought it was... I still laughed a couple times. I didn't get nothing out of it. Yeah. But it, to me, I think it was because there's the perception of what I thought this movie was, right. which was I thought it was going to be total garbage. Yeah. And then there's the reality of what I think the movie is, mm-hmm. which is... I think it's okay. Sure. I think that sure. the, I, 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 okay. I, the okay. horror okay. sequences yeah. are done really well. The horror sequences were great. Like, especially the first time you see her as the succubus. Yeah. That was scary. Yeah. That was a really... Yeah. And there, that little growl sound she makes, that is terrifying. I, I thought that, she, like, her, like, and Megan Fox's, like, just kind of posture and, like, her kind of just, like, physical presence as, like, the that succubus is so good. It, it, I mean, that, that, that sequence especially I thought was good. The ending sequence has some cool stuff. Yeah. You know, in the, in the pool and, like... You the know, pool and the bedroom. And the bedroom. And so I was like, 
I, this is, I, because when you had pitched it to me, I don't remember if you said you thought it was kind of like an underseen, like, masterpiece, quote unquote. Yeah, I don't remember I if think, that's what you I said. I think that you're going to learn that I say a lot of very hyperbolic things. <laughs> well, I'm learning in a hard way. <laughs> I watched this thinking, oh, does Mason really think this, this is a masterpiece? No, I, 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 I think that the, uh, I don't want to say the extended cut is a masterpiece, but I think it is just a, a, a better movie all around. It sounds know? like it is, you know? which is interesting because... Whenever I hear, oh, this is the director's cut of the film, I usually go, don't want to see it. Because I feel like, <laughs> I feel like the director's cut of a movie is like almost always longer and almost always includes more stuff that they like but didn't need to be there. I think the director's cut is five minutes longer. And I, re- I just read a blog that was like detailing each individual change. A lot of really minor changes that really kind of affect the, the, the pacing and the vibe and the, 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 the movie itself. And honestly, like, the five-minute longer version felt quicker. You know what I was thinking about when what? I was watching this? Have you seen Ma with no. Octavia Spencer? No. No, not yet. So that movie has some serious crackhead energy to it. Oh, seriously? <laughs> that movie is, like, off the charts <laughs> and not necessarily in a good way like it's got some parts in it that you're like i can't believe a human being wrote this down <laughs> on paper like it's wild and oh i was, oh was kind of thinking about it because i'm like this doesn't have like serious crackhead energy like jennifer's body yeah the only time i feel like it did is when it kind of threw in some of those 2009 ish jokes you yeah, know, where she's like, I don't even have my backdoor virginity. And I'm like, whoa. Oh, also, I think that, so I will say that I think that the dialogue in the director's cut is, is, uh, it's weird. In the theatrical cut, there's a little less specificity from the top with okay. things. Um, and that makes a big difference in like just n- you not getting used to the tone of the script. Sure. Um, those lines still aren't great. <laughs> sure. Um, but it kind of fits more of a whole. Um, in, in the director's cut versus the theatrical cut where it's like, it's weird. Like you, you know, Diablo Teddy's listed as an executive producer. I think it was like through her production company at that time had a ton of clout after winning the Oscar for Juno, you know? And it's weird that like the industry and studios work, like we are selling this script kind of from the writer of Juno, which is weird. Like you would sell a movie to boys from the writer of Juno, which is, you know, very much a teen girl movie also. For sure. Um, which is why this movie should have been trailers for Teen Girls. And we had someone else on the podcast to just talk about how the effects of... We gotta get a girl on the pod. We gotta get a girl on the pod. If there are any girls out there <laughs> at all, come on the podcast. Uh, Be a guest. <laughs> Join us. Talk about whatever you want. Uh, but anyways, anyways, anyways. Except for Jennifer's body. Except if you, Or if you want to talk about Jennifer's body. Or girls, non-binary folks. Somebody besides two cis white men. Exactly. On the fucking podcast. And that's on us. That's on us. But we can do it. We love it. We love it anyway. But it's weird that, like, the theatrical cut, even though you're selling it on this writer's voice, would try to, like, just try to take out as much of that voice as, as you could in selling it. That could have just been a ratings issue also. Sure. Like, the kind of, um, I don't know, like, what the ratings process was with this, because I, you know, I haven't heard anybody talk about it, because I didn't look it up, because I didn't have time. But, like, they probably had to take out a ton of, like, it change a, a ton, a lot of the content. And also, like, I just think that... You think to avoid NC-17? Maybe that's... Okay, maybe I think this is the wrong angle to approach the, pro, the, 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 differences, the differences between the script and the theatrical and the directors. Because it is 
different, and even, like, the Amanda Seyfried narration mm-hmm. feels much more active and alert. In the director's in cut. In the director's cut, yeah. It feels much more um, necessary, almost. Um, and I think, because in the theatrical cut I'm watching this, I'm like, I don't remember this narration being this. Okay. Like, in this this much. Um, or I don't remember... Like it, like it just kind of take completely taking me out of the movie anytime it popped up. Sure, there are a couple lines. Like I like the line that she, she uses to describe uh, um, the lead singer guy. They like he looked like a petrified tree. Like it reminded her of a petrified tree. I thought that was a great line. Um, but I think in the director's cut, somehow, like, just the script works better. Like I don't know. Like it's this is such a weird thing for me. I feel like I should have only watched the theatrical cut. <laughs> I don't know, man, because like now I'm just thinking about how good the director's cut is. Damn, man, we love it. Uh, I love it. I don't know. Uh, also, another thing, J.K. Simmons is in this movie. Yeah, with I think a another hook hand. Hook hand, dude. That was so crazy. specific. Yeah, right. I mean, I guess you know Diablo Cody and him got along well enough to the point. Oh, it's like, yeah. you want to come be in Jennifer's body? <laughs> you want to come be a hook hand for like teacher? Yeah, pretty crazy. Pretty crazy. And I guess that like, I don't know. In so- if you like watch this movie. With the lens of, like, this is, like, satirical about high school. It is, yeah, this, it's, that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think you might enjoy it more. I, yeah. Because it's, like. And that's what I took away from it the first time I saw it. Is in that, the theater. it's, like, yeah. very, like, over the top and very, like, this is a little tongue-in-cheek. Yeah. Okay. Fair. Because I think there is that there. Yeah. And I feel like in Juno, it's almost the opposite. I feel like it's very that, like yeah. Then we just very earnest, very earnest, very grounded, and very uh, I don't want to say believable, but very uh, much closer to our reality. Yeah. Than the Jennifer's it's body. A sm- it's a, like a, a te- like a pregnant teenage girl is a much more human, recognizable thing than my best friend is a, is a man eating succubus. Exactly. <laughs> you know? Well, maybe for some people. Maybe for some people. I don't know. I don't want to speak for them. But. My junior year was crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I don't know if I really have anything else I want to say about this other than, like, it'd be interesting to watch this and watch Ma with Octavia Spencer. Um, that also, that movie's directed by Tate Taylor, who directed The Help. Oh, boy. Which is crazy. Oh, boy. Yeah. Okay. So, if that is any incentive to be like, what is this? I literally watched that movie on a whim because I'm like, I don't want to, I saw the trailer, I'm like, this looks like total shit. (laughs) And, like, I was just so bored one night, I'm like, it's out, I want to see it fuck it, I'm just gonna go see Ma. And I, like, had a fun enough time. It's kind of crazy. It okay. might it'd be an interesting pairing with Jennifer's body. Interesting. Okay, okay. I don't really know if I have anything else to say about it other than, like, it was definitely not what I expected. Okay. Like, straight uh, up. Yeah. I'd I, give it yeah. a not recommend. <laughs> That's okay. If I had to, if I, if you had to say, do you recommend this? I would say no. But it was definitely different and better than I thought it was gonna be. Right. And I was surprised how effective some of those horror sequences were. Gotcha. I think that that's fair. I would also, like, not to stand for the extended cut too much, but that is, I would recommend that version. And I think that, like, any version that you find of the movie, like, in a bargain basement, like, sure. 399 Meyer bin or whatever. Right. Uh, or on Amazon, on Blu-ray, like, how I did it. Yeah. Um, it is worth it to see the director's cut, but I think maybe only after the theatrical. Okay. I th- and I think that's also, you could view this as a really interesting case study into differences between, like, studios and, like, just, like, a full kind of, like, how a studio 
can manipulate a Or how, many have, how having too many cooks in a kitchen can kind of manipulate and change something. Definitely on a perception level. Yeah. You know, like I said at the beginning, I, I saw the trailer for this. You know, I was like, oh, that's Megan Fox. I know who that is. Even in my 12-year-old brain, I was like, ugh, I'm not seeing that. Yeah. You know, and here I am, you know, what is it, 10 years later going... That wasn't that wasn't ter- that wasn't terrible. I will say that like, okay, in the theatrical cut, as we met talked about, it was kind of just kind of cut and arranged to be made for teenage boys. Sure. <laughs> in two thousand nine, I'm just looking up. I want to see what she's been doing of late. I don't think she's been in a ton. I know she was in the two live action Ninja Turtle movies. She was. She was in TMNT in twenty fourteen, the sequel in twenty sixteen. She did 15 episodes of New Girl. Oh, that's right. I think she's took over for uh, Zoe, like Zoe Deschanel left for a season. I want. I didn't watch New Girl. I didn't um, either. But I think she took over for a season there. And I remember hearing that it was like not a bad run of a show. And now she's in a movie called Above the Shadows, which was directed by Claudia Myers, who I've never heard of. Okay. This is kind of a crazy little cast. You've got Megan Fox. Olivia Thurlby, who I've never heard of, but I... Oh, she's in Juno. Oh, she's the friend in Juno. Okay. Oh, she's she Juno's friend. friend. Oh, she's Juno's friend? Yes. Olivia Thurlby. Oh, Olivia Thurlby is, yeah. This girl. Oh, I know her. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. And then Jim Gaffigan. <laughs> I'm not shitting you. That is the top three build people on IMDb, and it says, A young woman who has faded to the point of becoming invisible must find her way back with the help of one man who can see her. That's interesting that Megan Fox would be cast as a girl who fades into oblivion. That is interesting. That's really interesting. I've never heard of this. I've never heard of it either. When does it say it's supposed to come out? It says... I hope that that is movie, it's a movie that's going to come out. It says, <laughs> it says Internet, July 19th. Oh, so we can watch that available now. I guess so. It comes out in the Philippines really soon. So if you're listening to this in, in the, the Philippines, Philippines, it's almost out, I promise. But it premiered at the Brooklyn Film Festival at the end of May. Uh, and I guess that's what she's doing. It says on I IMDb. I think she's kind of taking a break. She you know? I mean, it probably I feel like sucked. she probably fucking needs it. You yeah. Know? Like, um, it says that she's got one more movie coming out this year. Well, something in 2020. And then a couple things that are in production right now. So it looks like she's working. Maybe yeah, not yeah, to yeah, like yeah. the attention that she did get initially when she right. blew up. But she's a working actress. I, she's a working actress. And I also think that like if you get that kind of... I also think that like... If you get that much attention for so long, it's gonna make you fucking exhausted. Sure, I'm. Sh- I I can imagine. It I would uh, not like that at all. Uh, I would write. No, I. Ugh. I think that it, that ugh. for all it's good and bad for everything that it is, I think that Jennifer's body is still an interesting, curious, and interesting specimen. Okay. Um, I think that the theatrical cut is kind of a mess. Yes. I think that it is. There's a lot of stuff in it that really do pop, and it is kind of frustrating that it. There's those moments that popping it and you can see how it's better um i'm not sure if the director's cut is like a significant improvement enough to make it like a secret masterpiece like how i pitched it because i was very stupid (laughs) um but i think that it is actually a you see a clear version of what the movie is okay um it's not as the horror the horror is mixed in much better with the relationship stuff mixed in with the comedy it feels much more like uh, just a good movie than than Jennifer's than Jennifer's body is. Um, Who's trying to talk to us right now? Sorry, that's just my parents texting me. What's up, Mason's parents? Uh, <laughs> Let's get them on the pod. Oh uh, man, DIY podcasting, folks. Uh, anyways, 
Um, yeah, I don't really have anything left to say about it, to be honest with you. Well, any, so, any closing thoughts on it besides what you just said? Uh, no, I think, I think it's, I think rewatching it, it's fine. It's, I still like it. I'd still probably give it a heart on Letterboxd. I'm not about rating things. I still give it a heart again. Give it a little <laughs> mwah. Yeah, just a little kiss on the next thing. I see you, Jennifer's body, and I love you for what you are. And I still love you. And I still love you. Great. Well, uh. So next week I will be back hot with a fresh listen of Randy Newman album. Thank God. <laughs> and, uh. uh Something else, probably. We'll see. We'll like, see. It's TBD right now. It's TBD as of this moment. Um, but yeah, you'll hear from us again. If you want to, you know, get in contact with me, I'm on Instagram primarily at hotdogdebicki. Uh, you can just slide in my DMs and, or follow me and see what I'm up to. That's about my... Oh, and I'm also on Letterboxd if you want to see what I'm watching. And I got another podcast. It's called The Barn, a podcast about The Shield. So if you like the show The Shield... What's it called? Listen to that. The Barn, a podcast about The Shield. Is the barn an acronym, or is that a shield thing? Uh, the barn is the name of the uh, uh, the station. It's like the nickname got it. of the station, because it's in an old church. Got it, got it. Okay. Well, uh, you can follow me on Twitter if you want. My name is, uh, I'm at Moa Narger. Uh, <laughs> that's all I want to plug, I guess. I don't really want you to follow me on Twitter, to be honest. <laughs> so don't follow that, uh, that Twitter account. Uh, but uh, yeah, see you guys soon. Also, I think I, I, I wanted to mention it earlier, but uh, I, I didn't get a chance to, and I kind of forgot to bring it up. But uh, uh, do see Tokyo Story. <laughs> <laughs> do see it. That's a great movie. If you can see it on a bigger screen, even better. But again, I think that's just a movie you're going to enjoy, yeah. regardless of how you watch it. Uh, especially if you watch it on a DS Lite, like yes. the way Ozu <laughs> intended it to be. Uh, see you next, see you see next, next time. time, guys.